Unless you want to, it's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode 276 now of the Ron and Don Show. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah, you're listening to us on the Ron and Don Radio Network, and don't forget, if you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do, right? Yeah, first stop by local Les Schwab, because they sponsor the show, give them some love. Second yeah. thing you can do is if you are getting into the real estate game, or you have someone you can refer to us, a friend, a family, a coworker that's been talking about a new house, set them up with a Ronadon sit-down. We'll send you a free buyer's playbook, seller's playbook. Uh, the sit-down's absolutely free, no obligation. We just want to see if we would be a good team with you. And so it all starts at ronadonsitdown.com or email me directly at uh, ron at windermere.com. Yeah. Uh, also, hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, joints for jabs. How do we feel about that? And we're going to talk a little real estate because have we just entered a hot summer that's kind of cooling off? Yeah, before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Quitting. I couldn't believe this headline this week. And we talked about this a little bit last week. But it said a lot of us have learned during the pandemic that sometimes our time, our energy, our years on earth, they don't last forever. And so they say in some in, in, in some places, like truck driving, for instance, we're having a hard time finding truck drivers. They say in, in some areas of the workforce, people have decided to quit, to walk away. And uh, in some areas, they say up to 40% of all workers, and a lot of this is factory workers, are going to quit this summer or walk away from their jobs and uh, maybe grab a job sometime next fall or sometime next year. Ron, some people are calling this the summer of quitting, not the summer of love, the way that the mayor said uh, we had a summer last year here in the city of Seattle. Uh, Your thoughts on the summer of quitting, what's going on here? I, I think about this in two ways. One is philosophically and one is practically. So when you think about it philosophically, uh, and all these stories that just came out about uh, the richest Americans basically paying zero taxes, and you'll look at Mackenzie Bezos or Mackenzie Scott, who she's known now, like, hey, I'm giving away my third batch of uh, multiple billions of dollars. And you look at uh, Jeff Bezos that gave uh, Mackenzie billions of dollars, and Amazon did so well during the pandemic, he then is still the richest man in the world. So you see the average person that sees those stories is like, hey, I'm on the other side of that divide, and there's no way for me to get over to that side. Mm. That can be, so philosophically, I get it's like, man, life is short. I'm not one of the one percenters. I, I, I want to be happy. What I'm doing right now isn't making me happy, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit. I completely understand that. I actually listened to a podcast with the uh, the president of the Philadelphia 76ers a couple of days ago. Really, you know, motivational guy and a front office guy. And he was like, I used to travel over 200 days a year because he was in charge of multiple sports franchises. I was either at a game, at a road trip, scouting a, a player, going to a, a, a function. Like he's just, I was always on the road. And he said, I don't want to do that anymore. And, and, and so even people at the highest echelon are going, what was I doing? Like, I have kids. It's great to have dinner with my kids. 
it's great to see my wife every day. Uh, and so I think this is dawning on, on a lot of people. Now, practically, let's go back over to the practical side. I've tried to be open to your point of there's a lot of people gaming the system. And I think you're probably correct. There are a lot of people gaming the system. Um, and whether or not we agree with their justification uh, or agree with their work ethic, I think that's another story for another episode. But yes, yeah, people are taking advantage of, of the system right now that shouldn't be. You have renters in Magnolia that pay $9,000 a month that are going, hey, the eviction law covers everybody. I'm not going to pay. It's like, wait a second, you're a white collar worker. You're, you're not renting a, a $600 apartment. You're renting a $9,000 house and you're not paying? Like, I don't think that's the intention of the law. So yes, there are people that are, are taking advantage of that. Sooner than later, I believe, reality is going to set in. And people are going to have to, they're going to run out of savings. They're going to run out of uh, unemployment. They're going to run out of their benefit package. And so they are going to need to work. And how that then happens, I think, will will ripple through the economy. Um, You know, everything from every, every factor has been, I mean, I'm just, things are going through my brain. Appliance installers, baristas, waiters, people that used to work at sawmills. People like every category of job that you and I interact with is like, it doesn't matter if you're a photographer or a laborer. It seems like everybody is short of work right now or yeah. short of people wanting to work. Yeah. And, and, and of course, we know there's a supply chain issue right now. I'm trying to buy some doors for a property I'm building. And I've been trying to buy these doors for months and months and months. Now I finally get the doors in, but I, there's none of the hardware, none of the hardware for the doors. So. So that's challenging. And then there's no one to deliver the doors or to deliver the hardware uh, because there, it, we always make fun of that commercial where it says there's a nationwide shortage of truck drivers. And right now, there really is a nationwide sh- uh, shortage of truck drivers. I think what we've learned through this, because I think of my, my, my grandma and grandpa, for instance, Growing up in the Midwest, uh, you know, my grandma was what they would call a secretary then, and my grandfather uh, was a welder, and he worked on these big boilers in downtown Chicago, these big boilers that would heat these uh, big skyscrapers. And, and the idea was, whether you liked your job, and there was a, my, my grandma also worked for Johnson Johnson Motors, and you're in a union. My grandfather, was, he was also in a union. And the idea was, you're going to get in this union, you're going to do this job for 50-some-odd years, you'll be married for 60-some-odd years, and, and then at the end of that, when you retire, then you retire. Like my grandfather used to get up when he would retire and he'd still dress in a suit every day and have a tie on. And he'd go to the breakfast table and start making white toast. And my grandma and my grandfather would sit there and then he'd go out and mow the lawn still with his tie on. But but he was officially retired. And when they clocked out, they clocked out. That, they you, clocked you, out. You went to That's the, right. the union right. hall. Yeah. You went to the, what is it called? Daughters of the Columbians or whatever that's like. <laughs> Columbus. Columbus. Knights, of, Knights uh, of the Columbus. Knights of Columbus. You were in a bowling league. Yeah. You had your church league. You played cards at the house. You went to the lake. Yeah. You were... On Friday, you clocked out. You didn't think about work again until you clocked back in. Yeah. And so and so then you either get uh, in the Midwest, you get a little cabin somewhere that you'll go and visit, or you get a travel trailer, you start traveling. You don't fly anywhere. You never go out of the country. You usually go to Florida, Arizona, see family, something like that. And, and the thing that I learned from my grandfather is I remember getting a phone call from him, and he was in Florida, and he wanted me to come down and drive his car and his travel trailer back to their home. I was only 19 at the time. 
because uh, he was having some issues with his vision. And that would be the last trip that he would ever take. And then a number of months later, uh, we would find out that he would have cancer and he would end up dying from, from liver cancer. And I, the, the one thing that I learned from that, that that's the first time, and I, I would have been in my young 20s at, at the point where he passed away. You, you don't realize when you're 20, 21, 22, 23, you, you just kind of think that life goes on forever and you have infinite amount of time. And, and as you grow a little older, or as we all have gone through this pandemic together, you realize your minutes and moments on this earth might be, and your health might be your greatest resource and you know it's not infinite. You know it's over at some point. And so I think for people, and this is something that I do like about millennials, is that they'll go somewhere, maybe they'll work for two or three years, and then they'll take some time off and say, you know what, I'm going to jump on a plane, I'm going to go to Europe, and I'm going to be a world citizen, or I'm going to go jump in a van and live the van life and see national parks maybe around this country that I've never seen. And if you've never seen all the national parks here, uh, around America, they are they are stunning. I mean, when you go to the Grand Canyon, pictures don't do it justice. And when you stand on the rim of the Grand Canyon, you go, "Wow, Grand Canyon is pretty grand, right?" Yeah, I have a friend doing that right now, and she just needs a laptop and a high speed internet, and yeah. she can work. But I'm I'm envious because yes. she's like stand up paddleboarding in yeah. the Keys and is driving yeah. around like, yeah. and that's the life yeah. right now. The, the 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 number one product that people are looking for right now in vacation rentals. They're looking for a 30-day rental that they could turn and pivot into a 60, a 90, or a 120. And that's exactly what people are doing. They're going, they're traveling to other parts of the world where they've always wanted to go. And they're going to stay there somewhere between a month and four months. That's the hottest thing in vacation rentals. Everyone, I have seven vacation rentals. All the people that are staying in my rentals right now are people that want to stay for extended periods of time. They've already been at home for the past year, year and a half, and they want to be somewhere else for a year, year and a half. So I don't blame people for that. So think about that. You got your minutes. You got your moments. You got your health. You got your family. You got your friends. And you still have youth if it's on your side. Why not take a moment, pump the brakes, and maybe it's a summer of quitting for you too. And then we'll see you back in the workforce uh, maybe sometime next year. It's the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. We will see you on the other side of this. You can just tell that, they, uh, that they're that they just real genuine guys and, and care about uh, who they work with and just feel like we, you know, we got, we got some, some more friends now. It truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Hi, I'm Oli. Hi, I'm Emmy. Hi, I'm John Greenland. I'm Lauren Greenland. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Byron. And we sat down with With Ron and Don. Mm -hmm. They were more prepared. They paid way more attention to detail. um, And then they just came in with with a lot more knowledge and were able to set those expectations up a lot better than um, some of the previous uh, realtors that we worked with. So, I mean, I was I was extremely pleased with uh, the the entire, uh, the sit down, the, the experience and, and the results, of course. There was a friendship that developed and a, and a, and a trust. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say a trust and then, you know, we, yeah. have, we love them. It's been a hell of a lot of fun for one thing. I see them as, as friends now. I feel like they've made me feel part of this community. And knowing that, you know, Dawn's just down the street is, is comforting. <laughs> yeah.
We totally consider Ron and Don friends of ours now, and we do miss working with them. It was intense there for a little bit, but it's an experience that we'll always remember and have, and um, and now lifelong friends. It's the Ron and Don Nation. That's right. <laughs> Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at runanddonsitdown.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's a summer road trip season. That's right. You want to live the van life, the car life, I don't know, the Volvo life, whatever rig you got. Hey, if you're heading out across the state or just across town, stop by a Les Schwab Tire Center before you do so. They got some great advice for you. In fact, the first thing you're going to do is they're going to check your spare. They want to make sure it's inflated, that you have all the tools that you can change a tire and that you know how to do it. If you don't know how to do it, they'll teach you how to do it. Also, Make sure you get your tires, your brakes, your battery, your alignment, your shocks, all the struts checked out by the pros of Les Schwab. What does it cost? The other guys are going to charge you hundreds of dollars. At Les Schwab, it's absolutely free to have them take a peek. They're going to visually inspect all the important parts. And again, they're going to do that for cha-ching for free. Keep that money in your pocket. It's part of their free pre-trip safety check before you hit the road. So stop by any location or schedule yours today at LesSchwab.com. That's LesSchwab.com where they've been doing the right thing. Since 1952. Ron and Don. 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 Ron and Don Radio Network, man. Okay, how much do I have to pay you for this? (laughs) One (laughs) dollar. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. As you just heard, uh, we have great clients who are also our friends who really are part of the Ron and Don Nation. And uh, if you need our help buying, selling, or you're thinking about investing, or maybe you're building a daddy right now in your backyard, you know I do that kind of stuff, you just want uh, to chit-chat about it, reach out to us. You go to ronadonsitdown.com, and we'd love to hear from you today. And we'll schedule a 45-minute virtual sit-down, and then uh, we'll come out and visit you. And we'll bring some Ron and Don coffee mugs and share a cup of coffee together or whatever you like to drink. Does that sound good? Yeah, it sounds pretty good. Hey, I, I have to admit that this kind of hit me the wrong way. And, and sometimes uh, I know that things hit me a certain way. And maybe it's because of the way that I was raised. Uh, but something's kind of sticking in my crawl a little bit when it comes to uh, vaccinating all Americans. It seems like we have 50 states now that are saying that at least 70% of the population in these states, including Washington State. Did you say 50 or 15? What's that? Did you say 50? I'm sorry. I I want to say 15 states. 15. There's 15 states where 70% of the humans in that state above the age of 16 have had what they call the jab, right? So they've had at least one shot. We know here in Seattle, as we've talked about before, we became the first city uh, to have 78% of folks at least have one shot. And over 70% of the people here are fully vaccinated. When, when you look at the anti-vax stuff and whether I should or shouldn't wear a mask, I think what we're learning uh, for those that were anti-vax or, or anti-vaccine, that in places where they don't have the vaccine, where they didn't have it in India, right now there is no vaccine in Haiti. And you can see this horrible COVID-19 just having its way with the population. Deadlier than ever, 
variants are spinning. It is out of control. And here we are in the States. We've kind of, for a lot of us, we've kind of gotten back to our old lives a little bit. And I think we can't forget what's happening in other parts of the world as we even have vaccination centers here now that are closing down because there's not enough people to vaccinate. And again, while, while Haiti has, there's no vaccine there. And, and the death toll is is tremendous. When I heard this the other day, because I see lotteries now, I see people winning millions of dollars to, to get the vaccine. It, it, it rubs me the wrong way a little bit that we have to sit here and that we have to give cash rewards and prizes and cars and stars and even joints. There's a there's a organization now that's doing something called Joints for Jabs where you can come and get some drugs in order to get jabbed. Uh, and, and I just look at that. I just look at that. And it really saddens me that we wouldn't get in line. First of all, study the science. See what's happening around the world where they don't have the vaccine and go, you know what? It's my job. It's my duty. That's, at least that's the way that I felt, to go get in line and be part of the herd. Now, I see a lot of people wear these hats and they say, hey, no sheep, no sheep. I'm a lion, no sheep. And I always tell them, and this is from my years of being in the church, I say, and most of these people say, I'm like, are you a Christian? They're like, yeah. I said, do you know that Jesus calls you to be the sheep and that he's the shepherd? He didn't call you to be a lion. He called you to be a sheep. So I don't see what the problem is out there with being a sheep. He never called any of us, any of us to be a lion. Joints for jabs, cash cars and stars are on, all these lottos. And then when you see these variants just killing people ravagely all around the world where they don't have this vaccine, you know, we are sitting here in our American seats in our American bubble with our uh, tur- tur- turning away vaccines at this point for-, for people that don't want them. And it just bothers me a little bit. So so set me straight on this. A, a lottery should be okay for a million bucks, right? I-, I don't know if I'll set you straight, but what you're talking about is incentives and altruism. And knowing you my entire life or from second grade on, I could score if you. If I had to score you on those two, you are quite altruistic. Mm. You like to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Mm. And not everybody is wired that way. <laughs> the, the other thing on incentives is you are incentivized in a, in a kind of a peculiar way. You are incentivized by, like you enjoy doing the work and enjoy the journey mm-hmm. way more than the average population. <laughs> And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Give, give me give me an example so I can so I can understand that. I'll give you a great example from our real estate career. There was a transaction this year where I made a mistake mm-hmm. that could have cost us tens of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And you said on day one, "Hey, it's only money, no big deal. I didn't catch it either. We'll uh, write these people a check. That was our fault, and just move on." And I couldn't let that go. Most business partners wouldn't do that on day one. Hmm. Uh, so you are not incentivized solely by money. You were incentivized by doing the right thing. Hmm. And so most people are not that way. So when we look at, <clears throat> let's take a different example, children in school. Should they want to try hard at school just because they want to learn? Of course. Should, they want, should children want to get good grades because they know that it will help them in the future? Of course. 
Do kids do that? No. <laughs> so for many, many kids. They want Otter Pops. <laughs> want Otter Pops? Would it be a good investment, let's say, for a 15-year-old to go, I'm going to pay you $500 for every A that you get. Wow. And if they got that A, wow. long-term, would that be a good investment for a parent? Absolutely. It would be, yeah. And, and so should you have to do that? No. But is it a good idea to do it? Yeah. And so the thing that I think about with this, if it takes a joint to get someone to get vaccinated, that's a very low bar. If it takes the idea of winning a lottery, because 99.99999% of people are not going to win the lottery. But if the idea of winning a lottery incentivizes you to do the right thing, I'm fine with it. Because people are incentivized for different reasons most people, the vast majority of people, are not altruistic. You can go, and they've, they've done studies on altruism, and it scores very low. Hmm. People, and we've done this before in the past. If, if you just say, hey, we're doing a cause radio thing, um, we want you to anonymously give us shoes for Haiti. Very few shoes. Hey, come by. Ron and I are getting the band back together. We're performing a show at the Crocodile. You can come by. And people will see you giving your donation. We don't say that. But You're going to get a photograph of you giving your donation. I see it. We're yeah. going to give you a sticker and a t-shirt that says that you donated and a shout out on the radio. Now you do donations go up or down. And then do we'll that. give you some earplugs when Ron and Don's band starts. Right. <laughs> and so people might say that uh, they good. are doing it out of altruistic reasons, but they also want the pat on the back. Yeah. They also want the tax deduction when you give them a piece of charity. And so it shouldn't be that way. And in a perfect world, everybody would score high in altruism and everybody would be motivated yeah. by the right motivations and incentives, but they're just not. Yeah, love it. See you on the other side of this. Hi, this is Therese, the new buyer specialist for all of you in the Ron and Don Nation. If you're going to win a house in such a competitive market, you better have a good strategist. And that's what I specialize in. When you're ready to sit down with us, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. And now back to the show. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, licensed brokers at Windermere. We are the Ron and Don Nation and the Ron and Don Real Estate Team. And uh, if you want to sit down with us, all you have to do is go to ronandonsitdown.com. And you can reach out to Ron today, too, at ron at windermere.com. We do a virtual sit-down. Then we come out and see you guys. All our real estate transactions, they all start with a sit-down. And sometimes it doesn't turn into a transaction, but it's just kind of neat to know you. Some of you have been listening to us now for 15 years on the radio. From the time we are on Saddle Radio here, we are on The Buzz, we are on KJR, we are also uh, on Cairo. And if you add up all those years together, I think that would be, what, 15, 16 years? On Absolutely. Know the, know the vice principal this week that's been listening to us for a long time. Yeah. That was kind of fun. Yeah. So it's really, really cool when we get a chance to meet you guys. And if we can just give you some advice, and sometimes our advice is hang on to your house. <laughs> what are you doing? Don't sell this thing. And uh, and then we try to figure out a way that you can hang on and uh, hang on to it, too. So anyway, just Ron and Don, sitdown.com. Speaking of real estate, let's do a real estate roundup here real quick. Ron, something happened this week. We had a big team meeting at Windermere. I think hundreds of agents were on this call, and everybody looked a little somber because it seems like, is the market cool? Because it's been so red hot. It's been what? It's been red hot. It's been what? It's been R-E-D-H-O-T hot. 
<laughs> R-E-D, Red H-O-T, hot. Once we stop, we can't be stopped. Red hot. Hey, hey, red hot. Don't even get me started with how funky is your chicken. <laughs> In defense, we got all the cheers. Yeah. What, are, what, is, what is your take on what we're seeing? Because real estate well, is still selling. But, I want to uh, push the, back a little bit with you. You do? Okay. Our particular office, Don and I are fortunate to be in the number one office by any brand uh, by sales yeah. in, in all of Seattle. So you take any, any name brand that you know, this is the number one office by sales. So our, our office is, is weighted towards some really heavy hitters when it comes to sellers. Mm-hmm. They have a lot. They have the big listings, the ones that you'll see on the front of magazines, most of those come out of our, our office. True. Yeah. And so the somberness there, but that's not every office. So there's a lot of people in our office that are a little less vocal, and a little less profile they represent mostly sellers mm. and they've been getting their guts kicked in week in and week out month in and month out. sellers or buyers buyers you, so you said I, sellers. i'm sorry that they're representing buyers represent buyers and yeah. um I, I know of one person in our office that wrote 17 offers wow for a buyer wow until they finally got a house how many houses did they look at yeah like hundreds yeah they wrote 17 times and they just kept getting up off the mat Coming in third, coming in fifth, coming in second, just kept on missing out until they finally got a house. Yeah. So uh, I think swinging towards balance is a good thing. A balanced market is not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be balanced in Seattle for any time soon. We're still in a seller's market, but we're not in a historic seller's market. And so that, that, that doesn't it doesn't bother me. Because the the cream still rises to the crop to the top. Uh, if you do your work in, in your listing and as an agent, uh, you can still be very successful here. Um, there was a lot of people. I think we just reached this phase where you had a lot of people. We we talked about incentives in the last the last segment. A lot of people were incentivized by the wrong things, and they jumped in because they thought it was a feeding frenzy. What were they incentivized by the wrong things? I, I think they were incentivized by the the outliers. They were incentivized by, oh, my God, Ron and Don talked about that house that went $300,000 over. I want that. But they didn't have that house. Mm. Or they talked to, they saw the story in the newspaper. That house got 17 offers in, in uh, I'm using 17 again, 29 offers down in Tacoma mm. or whatever. And so they like, I want that. And so they jumped in thinking that it would be super easy. It's going to be easy money. Yeah. And then they realized, oh, right. Like, I haven't done the work. I don't have a game plan together. Uh, I'm just doing this because it feels like the right thing to do. It's the same people that buy stocks at the at the peak, and then it immediately goes down. It's like, oh crap, man! I've been waiting, 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 and then I just bought my Tesla stock and it dropped by thirty percent. It's like, yeah, well, you needed to buy the Tesla stock back four months ago. Yeah, when you thought it was speculative, right. and now you know what I'm saying. So yep. it's like. There's people that, that are buying or trying to sell at the peak and time the market, yeah. and you, you just can't time the market. So people have, uh, I'm not. It's not cooled into like it's cooled from like nuclear explosion to raging inferno because it was historic. We it, it we, was historic. We were in a historic market. There were some neighborhoods and some zip codes that had under zero point three. Uh, months of inventory yeah. it's never been that low since they measured that stat yeah and we, and we and and even if things slow down or correct a little bit this summer it can still take off it's, again in the fall and become we're still the fastest growing city, major city in america yeah so like it's just going to be that way lots of people still still coming here all right question number two in our real estate roundup uh should 
I paint my house black. I'm looking at a, a lot of magazines, and uh, our good friend Mary writes, I'm getting ready to bring my house to market. What do you guys feel about uh, painting a house black? Uh, it depends. It depends on the house. Uh, there, They did some survey with the, the paint makers of America, some sort of trade group. They said they've never sold so much black paint, interior and exterior. Yeah. I think there's two things going on, and... Some sometimes when these trends cross over to people that don't have a high taste level, it gets stupid. There's a there's a thing called Shoshugibon that's really big on the YouTubes and the DIY community and in architectural magazines. And what that is is this Japanese technique that you take thick cedar boards and you char them till they get like a, almost an alligator skin appearance. You scrape it down with a wire brush and you put a finish on the front of that and it looks amazing for very modern homes. Yep. And it's black. Yep. And it's rot resistant, it's bug resistant, it's weather resistant. You can put it on there. Fifty years from now it's gonna look just about exactly the same. And so that trend has been out in the universe for 18 months, two years. Mm. And you see the pictures of a professionally photographed Shoshugibon house that's modern and it's in Southern California or it's in Italy or wherever. It's like, oh, my God, it looks great. And it's black. And then you try to do that and it doesn't look the same. So that's one thing. The second thing is they are saying that, that there are millennials that are buying their first house uh, and they like black. They grew up in sort of a goth um, sort of persona as a young person. They just embrace dark colors. Mm. So that's another thing that's going on. For the right house and the right technique on the right house, it's phenomenal, and it will make your house stand out. Um, just slapping black paint on a, on a cookie-cutter house is a huge mistake, in my opinion. If you like that as an aesthetic... Try doing the door in black uh, and just painting the house more neutral. But uh, it, there are some that I've seen that are very tasteful and very well done, but it's a, it's a specific architectural style. It's a specific technique, and it, it can't be all black all the time. Yeah, I, I live in Queen Anne, and I own multiple properties here in Queen Anne. This is where most of my Airbnbs are here in Queen Anne. So I know this neighborhood, Magnolia, Ballard, especially well because uh, this is where I, I live, work, and play with my son. And what's kind of interesting, there were 22 homes that were built in 1910. They're called Queen Anne Manor Homes. There's 22 of them. And they're, they're four-corner, four-square homes, and they all have a uh, brick facade on them, and they all had old uh, oil furnaces in them. So 21 of those have been kind of converted and brought into the modern age. And there was one sitting here that had been sitting for 10 years, and I went to see it, and the realtor didn't want you to go in, had the original, uh, had everything original in it from 1910. But this couple had gone into a care facility, and their kids didn't know what to do with it. And so for 10 years, the property had been paying for it. It just stayed there, and it, it, it just it, it had so much deferred maintenance. Anyway, so I, I, I thought about buying this and I put a bid in. I didn't get the house, but I've gone back since then and I looked at what this, uh, these folks that bought the house, what they did with it. And it's stunning because what they did is they took the whole brick facade and they painted it white and then they trimmed it, not just with a black door, but all the windows in black casing. So it's all, and, and if you would have told me that you're going to paint a queen, an old Queen Anne Manor four square house brick facade that you're going to paint it white, trim it black. I would tell you that's the biggest mistake in the world. It's one of my favorite homes 
to drive by on Queen Anne. And you can look across the street and see another Queen Anne Manor home because you can compare them side by side. And they all weren't built right next to each other. So they're in different places on the hill. And I have to say, when I first saw this white brick on this home, I thought that they had gone out and replaced the whole facade with white brick. All they, I went and talked to them. All they did was paint it. They, they painted it. And they, then they just encased it, everything in black, including the black door. And then you start looking at uh, modern lighting now is so cool, even in the past couple of years. Some of the great lighting that we can put in some of these old homes to make it really pop and come alive. And I have to say, the other thing that I love, there was a real trend of everybody needed carpet in a lot of these old homes. And the reason they needed carpet, because they felt like, number one, somebody was living downstairs or upstairs. So they wanted to muffle the sound. Uh, number two, they felt like it was cozy. And number three, a lot of these old wood fir floors and these, these, these oak planks, they kind of creak. And one of the reasons they creak is because they're not nailed into the floor correctly. Many of them were glued. So then people go back, they nail, and then the floor pops up, and it pops up and down and up and down on those nails, and that's where you hear the creak. That's what it sounded like in my grandparents' home growing up. What I love is so many of these floors. I bought a house from 1922. It had been fully carpeted. We pulled all the carpet back. And the 1922 beautiful fur floors were still there. So the fact that uh, a lot of this old wood plank is still around, the fact that we could take an old facade, paint it white, and case it in black, and pop a black door on there, I'm telling you guys, it makes a big, big difference. All right? Anyway, that's our real estate roundup. If you want to get in touch with us, talk real estate or reconditioning. This is what we do a lot, unlike... A lot of agents, where they just throw up a for sale sign, we get very involved in in the process of reconditioning before we bring your home to market because we want to have a sense of pride. When we hang a Ron and Don Nation uh, Windermere billboard for sale sign in your front yard, when people come by, if they know that Ron and I have been involved in this property, they know that this property is going to look its very best as we make it frontline ready. Absolutely. Uh, if you want that seller's playbook, buyer's playbook, or just to schedule a sit-down, email me directly, ron at windermere.com. Hey, you guys. Thanks for listening to episode 276. Coming up on 277, I'm going to tell you about my first car parade that I was ever in. All right? You keep your head up. You keep your shoulders back. Thanks for hitting subscribe. And then that way this show drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. As Rod said, if you need us, just reach out. Ron and Don, sitdown.com. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Keep your head up and your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network.